Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. This is the podcast where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. A few of my favorite ordinary things are homemade chai tea, gingerbread everything, and Christmas picture books. And a few of my favorite ordinary things are holiday leftovers. Christmas movies and candles, candles, candles on every surface of the house. A bonus ordinary favorite this holiday season is our special bonus podcast episode available the first week of December. Lisa Joe and I have compiled our list of top 10 Christmas books each. When you curl up with a hot cup of Christmas to drink this season, these are the books you want keeping you company. Because this is a deep dive into our favorite Christmas-themed books, including novels, cookbooks, mysteries, picture books for the kids, faith reads, fiction, and poetry. 20 books total will be featured in this bonus episode that includes read-alouds from our favorite passages and the reasons why we think these books will be good company in this season. Plus a printable list of all 20 featured books. You can take it to the library this winter season for your easy reading pleasure. To download the bonus episode, go to outoftheordinarypodcast.com slash bonus or click through the link in our show notes where it'll be available for a small bonus cost. Because this is a special bonus episode, it won't automatically show up in your podcast app. So take a second right now, click through the link in our show notes to make sure you get our top 10 Christmas books bonus episode, or go to outoftheordinarypodcast.com slash bonus. Curious about what you'll be getting? Let's eavesdrop together for a second. As you walk into environments this season that are wonderful and meaningful and beautiful and sometimes can be fraught with landmines. So I just encourage anybody to take a look at this. It's kind of like going in for a check-in, like a car. Like you're driving home for Christmas. You're going to get that car checked out before you do the long road trip. Might as well do the same for your soul. And mine is marked up and dog-eared and I cannot recommend it enough. Lisa Joy, I would have never imagined that book showing up on a Christmas Top 10, but it's it's perfect. It's perfect. And I'm sitting here. I've heard about that book for years. It's come highly recommended to me by many people. And I have never, I may have even checked it out of the library at one point. And you know, sometimes it happens, you check out too many things yeah. at once and you don't get to it and you end up having to turn it in. So I have never actually read it, but actually you've spoken to a struggle I've had just this week. Well, I don't want to say it was the night before Christmas. It's now like it was the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I'm so excited for tomorrow. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite adopted holidays because I didn't grow up with Thanksgiving, but gosh, it is officially my favorite meal though. By far. I love that. I love that you have fully embraced our American foods. Do you know, I was watching the Great British Baking Show once, and they were making fun of our American love for pumpkin pie. As they if it were? Was the most, yes, it was as if it was the most ridiculous thing to love a sweet dessert pie made out of a vegetable. How do you feel about pumpkin pie? So, to be honest, <laughs> since this is a safe place, <laughs> I have always thought it very odd. <laughs> very, very weird. Especially because my husband 
loves to lather Cool Whip on top of his pumpkin pie. And you would Mm. never put Cool Whip on pumpkin. But I have been converted because for years I just thought it was bizarro until he served me a slice of pumpkin pie lathered in Cool Whip. And I was like, what have I been missing my whole life? And now it really is Zoe, her favorite most exciting thing about Thanksgiving is it's the season of pumpkin pie. And Peter literally came home from the grocery store the other day with an entire pie for Zoe because she could not wait for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> kidding so you. Great. And the first time they got just a regular size pie and then they came home from Costco with a Costco size pumpkin pie that Peter said was for Zoe. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is for Zoe. So of course, everybody ended up eating it. But Zoe kept saying, it's my pie. Stop eating my pie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But I love that you referenced the Great British Baking Show because there's something about this season that does feel like movies and cozying on the couch. For example, we love the Christmas Cookie Challenge, which is a show that Reed Drummond from the Pioneer Woman is one of the judges. And every week they have these four or five master cookie makers on. And I mean, it just came back on for this season and Zoe and I were so excited to watch it. And they had to make a wreath, like not like a wreath. Yes, like a long, not a round wreath, but like how you would string across your fireplace. Mm Mm-hmm. Of like a cookie wreath, like actual oh. cookies strung and decorated on this hanging mantle. It was amazing. So this does feel to me like the season of delicious baking shows and then mm. Hallmark movies where you've been waiting for the happy ending. <laughs> you know, Last year, we all fell in love with the Christmas Prince. And now this year is the Royal Wedding. Hallmark has the next, you know, oh, no. in this <laughs> series of movies over this random European country nobody's heard of and how the nanny (laughs) falls in love with the prince. And last year they got engaged. And this year, Zoe and I will watch the royal wedding (laughs) with our pumpkin pie. With your pumpkin pie, of course. (laughs) So there's something about that kind of entering into the season of celebration that brings with it beautiful, special, magical moments sometimes with a slice of hard alongside. And Mm -hmm. um, this year, in the spirit of really hallmark traditions, I guess, Christy and I are bringing to you three episodes that will be a series. That's right. Part one, part two, part three. And what are we calling them? Did we decide on a title? Yes. I think we did. Because I just recently rewatched Four Weddings and a Funeral, and then I watched Hulu put out a modern retake on Four Weddings and a Funeral, and I watched all of those. It's a TV show now. Oh, I loved it so much. So this three-part holiday series coming from the Out of the Ordinary podcast will be called Two Hard Holidays and a Holy Night. Hmm, I'm looking forward to that build up. So yeah, we know the stories we're telling over these next three episodes. That'll take us close to Christmas, and then we'll take some Wednesdays off around Christmas and come back with new episodes in January. But should we dive in? Part yes, one, yes, that part first one. Hard. <laughs> part one of two hard holidays and a holy night. Snuggle in, friends. I hope you have some hot chocolate and a cozy blankie, because here we go. That's right. The best way to listen to a, a holiday story. Lisa Joe, I was remembering as we thought about this series and the stories we wanted to tell, I was thinking about childhood Christmases. And I've shared before on this podcast that I grew up in Texas 
And so Christmas for me as a kid, (laughs) the thing I wanted most, so maybe children in other parts of the world might pray and pray and put on their Christmas wish list that they want snow, that they want a white Christmas. And when I was a girl, all I wanted was a cold front. (laughs) I wanted cooler weather. I wanted to know that we would not the worst possible scenario would be if we had to turn on the central air conditioner for Christmas and have that humming in the background. And I was a kid and all I knew were Texas Christmases, right? I didn't, I'd never had a white Christmas. And yet I think influenced by movies, books, stories, I had this idea that a white Christmas, a cold Christmas was what Christmas was meant to be. And that that is what made it special. Mm. And I also, I've always liked cold weather. Um, I'm, I wilt quickly in the heat. It was a hard childhood <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I have this vivid memory of um, a hot Christmas. And it was a good Christmas because my dad had made for me and my sisters the thing we wanted most, which was a dollhouse. And uh, he had built it. And because he had made it, we were in on it. And we knew that this was coming. And we'd even helped out a little bit. So I have this vivid memory of Christmas Day. And I'm helping my dad to put the finishing touches on this dollhouse, which meant that I am using a little glue gun to glue little tiny wooden shingles on the roof of this house. And I remember that I'm wearing a sleeveless jumper dress that was corduroy, so it was seasonal. It was like a Christmas corduroy jumper that I had, but it was meant to be worn over a matching, um, like a turtleneck with, you know, maybe a little holly embroidery on the turtleneck collar. But I'm wearing the jumper dress without the turtleneck, just bare underneath because it's so hot (laughs) as I'm gluing on these, these wooden shingles on the dollhouse. And so I think with Christmases like that, I didn't, I don't know, it's interesting how you can be born with an ache. You can be born with a longing for something that, in some sense, it would be reasonable to say, like, that is not your rightful inheritance, right? Mm. It was not my rightful inheritance as a true Texan (laughs) to have a white Christmas or to have a Christmas even without air conditioning. That wasn't my inheritance, and yet I was born with this longing for it, this desire for it that was always with me. I think now I realize, Lisa Joe, what I wanted was special. I wanted a Christmas that glittered, <laughs> that wasn't like ordinary life. So if my ordinary life was always hot and sweaty and the air conditioning buzzing and I wanted Christmas to be different. I wanted it to be a time that was set apart in some way. And so I think I latched onto that idea that cold weather, because it wasn't our usual thing in Texas, would be the thing that would set it apart. But I'll tell you one small story about the best Christmas in Texas. I have a feeling my siblings, my parents would say the same. It was a special, magical Christmas. And it wasn't because it snowed. Although there's similarities. I think maybe what children, why they want snow too is the surprise of it, right? All of a sudden, you know, the whole world is transformed. But this particular Christmas, our whole world was transformed in a a good way. Let's see, I would have been about, gosh, I don't remember exactly, eight, maybe, so still nine, still very much in that, you know, young child approach to Christmas. And um, 
We lived far from family. We had some Texas family at a distance, but my mom's family, um, who were so special to us, all lived very far away in um, California. And then I had a very, my dearest, dearest aunt, Sissy, who I have shared about on this podcast before, my mom's sister. Uh, She was our Mary Poppins. She was our Santa Claus. She was everything. And um, she lived very far away. She lived in Canada. She enjoyed white Christmases. Yes, I was about to say. Yeah, she did. And she would tell stories about them. And um, But yes, she lived so far away. And so we, as much as we loved her and talked to her as often as we could, we rarely saw her because um, air travel, I think especially then, it was so expensive and it was much more out of reach. You know, now we... I think most of us can find ways with credit card deals and frequent flyer points. And, you know, we can find a way to do a little more air travel. But at least in my memory, that was not so accessible back then. So we rarely saw her. And we rarely saw her at Christmas. But this particular Christmas, my parents that year had been, they were in ministry, like campus ministers. And they had been ministering to a group of um, international students that year. And I want to say these students were from Indonesia. And so our lives that year had been full of all these just amazing young people from Indonesia, and especially full of their delicious um, food, like their peanut chicken sauce and um, so many good flavors. Well, these students decided that they'd been so blessed by my parents and our family that they wanted to give us a special Christmas gift. Mm. And I don't know who they talked to. Maybe they had just heard our family stories, but they figured out on their own that the thing that we would love more than anything else would be sissy. And so they bought, without telling us, a ticket. <laughs> they may, they, they must have talked to my dad. They didn't talk to my mom. And I, we did not know as children, but they bought a ticket for sissy. And one day, a couple days before Christmas, I remember there was a knock on the front door I was home, my mom, we came to the door, and of course, there was Sissy standing no on the doorstep. Way. Oh my god. Lisa Joe, it was shock. I, I'm sure my mom cried. We all screamed. We jumped on her. It was um I mean, it was like Jesus showed up in the manger. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, it was the most special gift, the most precious, special Christmas. And it was because of her and her presence with us, but also because it was so unexpected. It was so different from our ordinary life, right? Which didn't, you know, which just included a more long distance relationship with Sissy. It was, you know, everything about those days just glittered and sparkled and was set apart. Also, I think because we knew it would end, she would have to go home, mm-hmm. you know, she would fly back to Canada and, and our time together would be over. But oh, I remember she also brought us Christmas crackers. So did yes! you use yes! those? Yes, yes, yes. yes! The British and I me thought you is celebrating so much. <laughs> yes. Uh, we had so much fun. So of course, you know, we'd never experienced Christmas crackers, but we had them at Christmas dinner and popped them open and wore our paper crowns and our played with our little toys. And um, that's the only year we used Christmas crackers. And I think in that way, too, it just reminds me how set apart those days were. So I tell you, Lisa Joe, when I think of most of the <laughs> childhood Christmases, while that special one with Sissy stands out, what I think about really is that they were all marked by a longing for something I wanted and felt like I didn't have, mm. um, which was 
you know, a special season, a special cold, wintry season. Um, That's how I imagined it. But I think really it was a deeper longing for just something deeply special, deeply different, deeply set apart. And I'll tell you, I have taken that longing into my adult life and it is a blessing and a burden. It's a good thing and a bad thing. It is a good thing because I'm very intentional with the time and the season in planning and in trying to create special moments for myself and my family. But it's a bad thing when I let it um, drive me toward dissatisfaction, when I let it lead me to try to do too many things, and then I'm exhausted (laughs) and overwhelmed, which happens. And so I see it now for what it is. I hope I see it more as a tool I can use, but I also see it as a kind of lingering legacy that I'm, I think, going to be wrestling with continually in these next two conversations we have, what does it mean that I have this deep, deep desire for the holidays or Christmas to be like the most special time of year? That is a very high expectation. It can serve me well, but I think often it doesn't serve me well. I think it's so interesting to hear you share that, especially on a podcast called Out of the Ordinary, because this is a place where we celebrate the everyday, daily, ordinary, and yet you have this longing in your heart that this season isn't ordinary, that it's extra special, that it's magical and meaningful, and that can make it feel hard when it doesn't Mm -hmm. live up to those expectations. And it makes us hungry always for more somehow. Like, what Mm -hmm. is that? What is that that makes it more? And Sissy showed up that year into the middle of your heart and your sweating and your dollhouse and (laughs) your dissatisfaction with Texas Christmas but maybe somehow highlighting, too, the hardness of being apart the rest of the time and always mm-hmm. feeling like it's not enough. We didn't have enough time with this person. And hardness has really been, for me, this the theme of a lot of my holiday memories when we sat down to unpack what we were going to share this this next three weeks with you guys. I think about that a lot. For me, since tomorrow is Thanksgiving, this is my story is rooted there because when I arrived in the States, I had no experience of Thanksgiving aside from the movies. So I'd watched all these movies about what Thanksgiving was supposed to be. So like you, I had this vision, right, of what I think it's supposed to be, what makes it magical and wonderful. But largely what makes Thanksgiving so meaningful is that you're with your people, You're Mm -hmm. with your family, you know, that is where the meaning lies, not in the turkey and the green bean casserole, (laughs) which I love so much, but in the people. And my first Thanksgiving in the U.S., I was a freshman in college. I was on the East Coast. It was freezing cold. And unlike you, the holiday season, especially around Christmas, I had grown up with it being hot. That was my comfort. So the cold (laughs) grew in me a sadness that I feel grew bigger and bigger the colder it got. And Mm. that sadness really echoed my loneliness, my sense of not having family. And I vividly remember all my freshman friends. So we'd only been at college for a few months. We're all getting to know each other. And they're growing, mounting excitement at going home for Thanksgiving. Mm. Everybody's sharing their Thanksgiving plans. Everybody's talking about if they're going and who's coming in and what parents are going to be there and how they can't wait for XYZ food. And I remember just quietly keeping to myself wondering what will happen because my Mm. parents couldn't afford to fly me home for a long weekend to South Africa. And I remember wondering, am I going to be on campus? Will somebody invite me home? And I blithely assumed somebody would invite me home because I'd seen it in all the movies. That's what happens. You bring your friends home for Thanksgiving. 
And I remember vividly my dear friend, Nicole, I remember where we were too, standing outside and inviting me just with the overabundance of her generous friendship. Lisa Joe, you have to come home with us to Thanksgiving. And we were in Massachusetts at college and her family at the time lived in Rhode Island and they're a military family and that's where they were stationed and they had all these aunts and uncles who were going to be there. That was huge family. And I was so excited. I called my dad and I said, I'm going home for Thanksgiving and I made plans and I was so thrilled. And two days after Nicole had invited me, I guess she must have talked to her mom and hadn't talked to her mom first. And her mother, which I can appreciate now, was sort of overwhelmed at the thought of one more person who she didn't know, who she hadn't been asked about being brought to Thanksgiving because two days after she invited me, Christy, Nicole disinvited me to Thanksgiving. (laughs) will never forget it. Like a car crash. It is frozen in my mind. And if she's listening, which she probably is, Nicole, I love you. Don't worry. I'm getting to the happy ending. But we stood in front of our dorm. I'll never forget it. Wood Hall. We were standing in front of the dorm. It was cold out. We're standing on this pathway. She walked up to me and I was like, oh, I'm so excited about Thanksgiving. And I watched her face as she opened her mouth to start saying to me, So I hadn't talked to my mom when I invited you, and I'm not sure. And as the words came out of her mouth, it was like in Scripture, there's actually a Bible verse that talks about his words covered the man's face, like the shock of the experience. Like she could watch my face crumble as her words landed on me. And in mid-disinvitation, I will never forget her stopping, reaching out, grabbing me by the hands and saying, Never mind. Uh, forget what I was saying. Uh, of course you're coming. I can't wait for you to be there. My mom. Aww. And it was like I was in the beginning of being disinvited. And then we like switched tracks. And then I was invited again. And I <laughs> couldn't even let my brain process the pain of being disinvited. I just like skipped over that back into the reinvited person. Oh, good. And she told me afterwards, she just knew in that moment there was no way. And she told her mom, mm. Lisa Joe's coming home with us. And actually, she then ended up bringing our friend Sarah, too. Both of us came. And it was the most wonderful, out-of-a-movie Thanksgiving experience. I remember us waking up early Thanksgiving Day, and I didn't have sisters. My mom had died when I was young. I wasn't girly. And there were all these girls. There's Nicole and her sister and Sarah and the cousins. And we all got up and curled our hair. It's so funny that I remember this. It feels so American. We had hot rollers. Like, we all hot rollered our hair. So we had, like, this (laughs) big you know, locks of hair and did her makeup and all the aunts were there and there was so much food and the football game was on and everything about that experience was what I thought it was supposed to be, but it was laced with this disinvite. And I think for me, when you talk about how you want your holidays to be special, like that is your underlying core need. I want Mm -hmm. mine to be home. Mm -hmm. I want to be with the people who know me and love me. It is my Mm -hmm. core ache. And I think, you know, it's interesting to, we could go back and forth on how those aches are born in us, where they come from. Mm -hmm. I think mine probably has to do with my mom passing away and just a sense of uprooting in my early childhood. But there I was, though, in that day with Nicole, who had chosen me. She didn't have to, but she had made me family in the face of what her mom may or may not have said. And that happened over 25 years ago. And she and I are friends to this day. 
and talk about that still. <laughs> and anytime it comes up, she actually told me recently, we need to stop telling that story publicly because it's too painful for me as uh. I tell the story on my podcast. But it's because <laughs> she chose me though. Yeah. Like even though she she knew that it might be awkward, she still chose me and brought me home with her. And this year for our anniversary, for Pete and I's anniversary, Nicole and her husband, who are a military family too, were stationed overseas in Italy. And um, she, Nicole, invited me to come and speak to the women's ministry they have there um, at the base where they're stationed. And I traveled with Peter to Italy, and there we were, back with Nicole. And she said to me, I remember she said, when you get up, when I got up to speak, she said, uh, when you tell people how we know each other, are you going to tell the Thanksgiving story? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not, because our friendship is, is so rich and you've always made me feel so invited. I don't mm -hmm. want that to even be part of the narrative of this weekend with these women. But her mom went on to be like a second mom to me in the States and loved me and made me at home in their home and in their family. And for years, we've gone back and forth between each other's homes. But I think about that holiday, how hard it was because of that moment that felt like a car crash I was in the middle of and didn't know how to stop. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have that feeling around the holidays. I don't know what your home will be like tomorrow. I don't know if it's full of people. I don't know if you feel lonely. I don't know if you're far from your people. I don't know if you've had a, a painful loss. You know, Christy, you loved Sissy so much and her loss when she passed away, like I know that that tore parts of your family mm -hmm. that you yeah. still experience. And I know our listeners, as much as we might enjoy our pumpkin pie this <laughs> week, are also sitting with hard places and hard mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I'm just really glad, though, that Lisa Joe, this week and next, we're going to tell some of those hard stories for a couple reasons. First of all, in the telling, sometimes you uncover the light that was there mm -hmm. before. So when I started talking, I was just thinking about those hot, sweaty Christmases. I wasn't thinking about the sissy surprise. But as I started remembering these Christmases, I remembered that super special Christmas. And I had forgotten. It was just buried too deeply. Um, and so even in revisiting um, hard stories, sometimes we're able to see um, light again. So that's one reason. I think also we're telling these stories, the hardest stories. Okay, so the title again is Two Hard Holidays in One Holy Night. <laughs> so for two weeks, we're telling these harder stories because when we get to the third, when we get to those stories, um, our holy night stories, they are more precious, more meaningful. The treasure is richer because of the journey, because of the hard that came before. I mean, it's complicated. We'll, we'll do our best to just unpack it as much as we're able. It's not an easy, there's no easy equations here. I just know that there is a richness to the story I look forward to ultimately telling that would not be there without the hard stories that came first. I, it just wouldn't be there. Yes, I agree so much. I think, and our hope, as always, is that in sharing our stories, you will look at your own stories differently. That you might have hard memories from these seasons. You might be walking through hard ones now, but that there is a hope of holiness to come. And maybe you this year are living that special Christmas or that special Thanksgiving tomorrow but maybe it's because you've reaped it out of a hard season. And I think 
That is the gift of a God who promises to be Emmanuel with us. He's with us in the hard. And that's our hope as we unpack next week still one more hard story before we get to the Holy Night stories, that you would feel like you have company through this holiday season who've walked both of those roads, that you would just be reminded once again that you don't walk alone. So we hope you come back next week. Tune in to part two of this three-part special Christmas Hard and Holy Night series. We can't wait to meet you there. Want more Out of the Ordinary this season? As you wish. Check out our special bonus episode that is a deep dive into our top 10 Christmas books. 10 from me and 10 from Christy. Remember, this is a special bonus episode, so it won't automatically show up in your podcast app. Instead, click the link in our show notes or go to outoftheordinarypodcast.com slash bonus. Bonus.